Well, good morning, everybody. This is, I want you to know how excited I am to be outside. Uh, I don't like being all cooped up inside, and we normally, we used to meet in the theater. Uh, then there, as you can see, they're renovating the theater. So then we moved into the cafeteria, and that's been good. I like sitting at the little tables and things like that. Uh, but I asked, turned to the team, and I said, do you guys think we could move outside and, you know, we could do a service outside? And uh, they said, yeah, let's do it. And so here we are. I'm super excited. I am so glad that you guys all came out uh, to be with us this morning. Um, and I'm going to say it. He is risen. He is risen. That's right. He is risen. Will you guys pray with me? Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Father God, thank you for this day. Lord, this is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, thank you for sending your one and only son, Jesus, to this earth, who walked with us, who saw and experienced the things that we experienced, but who also had no sin, who died on a cross for us, who took our place, who conquered death, who rose again, and now sits at the, your right hand, God. Thank you for that. Thank you for your salvation. Lord, bless our time. Lord, open our hearts. Lord, do a work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I was praying this morning, or I was actually praying leading up to this service, and one of the things that, um, you know, I was asking the Lord, Lord, what, what's kind of a theme? What, what, what is it that you want me to say? If I could say it in one word, you know, what's that word that I could say? And I'm going to be honest with you, I got a really strange word from God, and the word was defeated. The word was defeated, and I was, and I was thinking to myself, come on, God, there's, there's got to be a better word than that for Easter morning. I mean, come on, it's Easter morning. But the word I kept getting over and over and over again was the word defeated. So I kept praying, and I felt like the Lord started putting something on my heart. And today is a day that, of course, we celebrate victory, but to understand victory you kind of have to understand defeat. You know what I mean? To appreciate the victory, you have to also appreciate and understand that there is defeat involved. I don't know how many of you grew up kind of in the 70s, early 80s, but there was a, a show called the, the Wild World of Sports. Anybody remember the Wild World of Sports? Okay, the opening sequence to the Wild World of Sports, uh, uh, it, said, it, it said this, uh, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, right? And so, of course, you know, there's this footage of sports happening, and, and while the guy is saying the thrill of victory, you know, someone's running, and he's crossing the, uh, the victory line, and he's putting his hands up like this, you know, he's doing the typical jumping up and down. But then, of course, there's the very, very famous video footage of the agony of defeat, and it's a skier, right? The skier's doing this downhill, and he is bitten it. I mean, he has turned over up, and he's flipping around, and skis everywhere. And the sad thing is, is this was repeated every week on the wild world of sports. This poor guy, this poor guy has gone down in history as the agony of defeat, right? But here's the thing. We all know what that feels like, right? We've all experienced some kind of defeat in our life. I want to share one story with you guys, one personal story. For those of you who don't know, I went to this very high school. I walked these very walls, and it's interesting that, you know, there's this renovation happening. Uh, they're painting it, this gray, and, uh, but it's, you know, as when I was here, it's pretty much this green and kind of yellowish cream color, I guess. 
So it's, it's, to me, it's really great to see that they're, they're redoing the theater. They're, they're, they're going to be redoing the football field. They're, they're repainting, and I'm just seeing all this newness happening, all this, this reconstruction, all this kind of tearing down of the old and, and rebuilding new. But I was thinking of a story that happened when I was a junior, my junior year here, uh, and uh, I was in class, I was in English class, Mr. Roswell's English class. Mr. Roswell was the cool teacher, all right? Mr. Roswell, I think Tassie was, uh, was a student here too, Mr. Roswell was the cool teacher. Mr. Roswell was a hippie, all right? He grew up in the 60s, in the 70s, he was a hippie. He still had long hair when, uh, when he was our teacher. He still literally, this long hair went all the way down to his back. So this was a cool class. He was a cool teacher. He taught English. I loved it. I loved going to this class. But one day, we were in class, and I don't remember what Mr. Roswell was doing, but he wasn't, like, around. He was either at his desk doing something, or he was outside. But there was a girl that I used to sit next to, and her name was Nikki. And Nikki had kind of light brown hair. She had brown hair. She decided to dye it black, all right? Nikki dyed her hair black, and she came to school, and she had black hair, and we're sitting in class. Well, Mr. Roswell, I don't know where he went, but all of a sudden, there's this group of guys that always sat in the very, very back corner, and they start heckling her. They start making fun of her. They start, you know, and I, and you know, I kind of turned back to see who it was, and sure enough, I saw this one guy. I actually have forgotten what his name is. But I looked right at him, and, and the irony of this guy making fun of Nikki dyeing her hair was he had bleached his. <laughs> and it wasn't a good bleach job, okay? This was the, the, you know, the 90s, and we were all you know, spraying sun in, in our hair and things like that. And so it was kind of orangey, you know, bleach. You know, it wasn't like he didn't go to a salon and get it done. It was obviously done you know, with his buddy in his you know, bathroom at home. And a thought occurred to me. Who the heck are you heckling her? And so he just went on and on, and he wouldn't leave her alone, and he, and he kept talking, and he kept, you know, making fun of her and stuff like that. And so finally, no one else was saying anything, so I finally said something. I finally turned around, and I said, look who's talking, idiot. And I just can't believe that just flew out of my mouth. But I turned back, and I'm like, look who's talking, because I couldn't take it anymore. The whole class erupted with laughter. I mean, literally, everybody lost it because everybody was thinking what I was thinking. Who's the guy with the bleached head making fun of the girl who dyed her hair? So the story doesn't end there. Class is over. Yeah, you can see where this is going. So class had ended, and the day had progressed, and I had had on this backfield, there used to be uh, this building back that's back behind the backfield wasn't there and there was there was some more classrooms and that's where uh when you were off season on one of your sports there was a weight training class so i was in like wrestling and things like that and there was none of that so i was back there and we were just all in weight training class in weight training class you did nothing nobody really did we, we might have picked up a couple weights and stuff like that but it was it was hangout class it was party class it was basically it was like a time off you got a class off so it was weight uh training class well guess who else was in that class with me Yes, bleach blonde head boy was in that class with me, and so were his buddies. So we were outside, and you know, we're all there's a kind of a bunch of us outside, and we're all out on this kind of this grass area. And sure enough, I see him coming for me, and I'm like, here it goes, here we go, retribution. So sure enough, him and a couple of his buddies, I think there was about three of them. One of them comes up behind me and grabs me. Now, by the way, 
I'm already short now, and I'm at full growth. I've, I'm, you know, 5'8". I've fully grown. Uh, this was back in high school. I think I graduated high school barely at 125 pounds. Um, so I'm, you know, I was small already. So, you know, you can see this was going to be very easy for them. So one of the guys grabs me and just kind of bear hugs me from behind. And, of course, blonde head boy comes up to me and doesn't even say anything and just starts laying into me. He just starts going at it, and he's punching me in the gut. I'm losing my breath. And then one of his other buddies just comes out of nowhere and just brings his shoulder into me and just, like, rams it into my chest. And so I'm thinking, like, okay, this is it, right? This is how it goes down when one gets jumped, right, when one gets beat up. And so they, they did what they, they had come to do, and they, they kind of threw me aside and, and discarded me. And I remember thinking to myself, I didn't really hurt physically too much, but I'm going to be very honest with you. Inside, though, something hurt deep. I had felt very defeated. I had felt, even though I, I had felt like I had done something really good, you know, and, and stood up for someone else and kind of said something, you know, I, I, it kind of turned on me and it, and it didn't really go the way that I wanted it to go. And, and to be honest with you, I didn't, you know, I didn't make it, I didn't even say anything to anybody. I was kind of embarrassed. I kind of felt small, you know, I kind of felt helpless. Like I, I, I I couldn't defend myself. I wanted to defend myself. I felt, in every sense of the word, defeated. I actually went home that night, and even though I, I didn't shed a tear here at school, I literally, even though I was probably 16, 17 you know, years old at the time, I cried. I really cried. And again, it wasn't because I was physically hurt. It was because something inside. They had, they had gotten deep down, and they had, they had attacked me in a place that I felt so vulnerable that there was nothing that I could do about it. And I hated that feeling. I hated that feeling. But I want to talk about defeat today. And I don't know about you, but I'm assuming that there's a lot, about you, a lot of you out there who have felt that same way in one way or another. And maybe it's been words that have been said to you. You know, maybe you've been physically attacked. You know, maybe it's just some kind of chronic ailment or some type of, of oppression that you just can't seem to get out from underneath and you feel helpless and you're tired of it. The Bible says this in the book of Ephesians. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I am here to tell you, if you did not know this already, that you do have a very real enemy. That there is an enemy out there. And the Bible says, listen, all that stuff that you may be going through in the physical, I'm here to tell you that there's actually way more going on in the spiritual that you can't even see. If you think that you're feeling oppressed, you feel like you're feeling defeated, you feel broken, Listen, don't fight it in the physical because you're going to get nowhere. There's nothing that you're going to accomplish by fighting in the physical. You're going to have to fight in the spiritual. Well, let's look at this even more. You have a real enemy and his name is Satan. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This is all Satan does. This is all his, you know, little minions, you know, all the little, you know, demons that he's got working for him. This is all they do. 
This is all that they care about. They have one mission and one mission alone, and that is to ruin your life. They hate God. They hate everything that, that he's about, and you are his creation, so they hate you because, because you're his children. And they want to make you miserable. And if they're going down, then they are taking you down with them. But there is a way to defeat the enemy. Anyone ever seen the movie, The Usual Suspects? You guys remember that movie, The Usual Suspects? That's kind of a 90s movie. So, you know, I, I just jumped from the 70s to the 90s. I'll try. I don't know if I have any modern day references. I don't know what my deal is this morning. But at the very, very end of the, the movie Usual Suspects, the, the guy says this one line that just really stuck with me, and there's so much truth to it. He says this, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the world that he didn't exist. See, this guy was kind of hiding the whole time. You don't realize that the, uh, the, the guy right in front of you the whole time is the Kaiser Sose. He is the, you know, the bad guy of the movie. He's sitting under your nose the entire movie and you don't even know it until the final scene when he walks out. But let me tell you something about your enemy. He's under your very nose and you don't even realize it because the greatest trick he ever pulled on you was to make you believe that he doesn't, it isn't real, that he doesn't exist, that all the things that you're going through is just life. That this is just how it happens. And we've come in our culture to kind of act that way. To kind of accept it. To kind of say, okay, well, this is just my lot in life. That this is just the way it is. That is not the way it is. And that is not the way that it has to be. You do not have to be defeated. The enemy wants to defeat you, but you do not have to be defeated. So how do we defeat the enemy? Well, let me tell you. Revelations, and I, and I put this, if you have your notes, I have all this down there if you want to go back and look at it later. But Revelations 12, 11 says this, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. They, meaning us, meaning the church, defeated him, meaning Satan, by the blood of the lamb, that is Jesus, and by the word of their testimony, that's where we come in. That's where we get to do something. We don't just have to sit in the chairs or in the bleachers or, or watch this thing happen. This is where we can be a part of the story. This is where we can say, you know what? No more am I going to be pushed around. No more am I going to be defeated any longer. Psalms 125.1 says this about feeling defeated. Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. Those who trust in the Lord. Do you hear that? Those who trust in the Lord will never be defeated. I don't know about you, but I grew up with trust issues. People let me down all the time. My parents divorced when I was seven. When I was 18, my, my mom and my stepdad split up and my stepdad committed suicide. All I knew ever was people leaving me and abandoning me. I had major trust issues. But God says this, that you can trust in him. 
and those who put their trust in him will never be defeated. Well, the first way that we can defeat the enemy is through the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb. Leviticus, I'm going to go all the way back in the Old Testament, all the way to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 14.25 says this. Then the priest will slaughter the lamb for the guilt offering. He will take some of its blood and apply it to the lobe of the right ear, the thumb on the right hand, and the big toe, the right foot of the person being purified. So let me explain. Let me explain. In Old Testament, in the time, uh, kind of the ancient time of the Jews, they had a process to be forgiven of their sin. God had kind of set up this structure, and what they had to do was they had to sacrifice a lamb, okay? The lamb, something had to die in their place so that they wouldn't die, so that they wouldn't experience that death, that this blood was kind of to cover their sin, so that's why they had to bring a lamb. Now, isn't it interesting that they, they picked a lamb, right? How many of you have ever seen a lamb in person? They're cute. They're sweet. I don't want to hurt a little lammy. You know, let me tell you, uh, is it PETA? Is that the animal kind of rights? Okay, PETA would have, have, it would have been awful for them to live and be an association during that time because that was constantly going on, constantly, you know, killing these lambs for you. In fact, some of these lambs were even part of the family. And listen, there was a purpose. There was a reason that God chose a lamb, that God chose this kind of innocent, this kind of pure, this kind of frail little beast, this frail little animal. Because that thing didn't deserve it. But yet that thing was placed instead of you on the altar. And its blood was shed for your sin. It was supposed to pierce your heart. I would imagine that when families would have come together to do this, because this was something that that they would have done a lot, that when they would come to do that, there would have been some crying. I've got daughters, and I would imagine my daughter would have probably been upset that we were taking the family pet to go get slaughtered. But that's the picture that God was trying to show us. But then he said, you know what? No, No more. No more of just this covering your sin. No more of, of, of using a lamb. 1 Peter 1.19 For it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. When you hear the term, the lamb of God, it was Jesus. Because now Jesus is coming and he says, listen, you don't have to sacrifice a lamb, an animal anymore. I will be your sacrifice. I will come and stand in your place. You don't have to feel defeated anymore. I will take defeat upon me. No longer covered, but Jesus washes our sin away. And most most of you know the story. Most of you have seen the movies and understand, you know, God sent his son Jesus down and Jesus walked around and he he did all these miracles. He touched people. He he would speak outdoors like this to audiences of, of thousands upon thousands. He would take just a couple loaves of bread and a couple fish and he would multiply them. I mean, he would just he was showing who he was. He was showing that he was God in physical form. And the Bible says that he he had no sin. He had to be just like that lamb, pure, spotless. But then Jesus did the unthinkable. In fact, 
It was so unthinkable that it even confused his own disciples. They didn't understand. They had thought he had come to to set up rule and reign right there and, and then. But that's not what he had come to do. He had come to conquer death itself. To defeat Satan once and for all. For you. For me. So that we don't have to be pushed around anymore. So we don't have to have the weight of sin on us. He said, let me put it on me. I want to read the story right after Jesus has been crucified. They put him in a tomb. And the promise that in three days he would rise again. So we're going to pick up the story in Matthew 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, which by the way, the Sabbath was yesterday. This week it was yesterday. But now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn... Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come. Thank you, sir. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going to before you in Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring the disciples the word. That is our victory. Not that Jesus died, but that he conquered death. There is no other God, there is no other religion that claims that they conquered death itself. There is no other religion that claims to give you that freedom because of what God has done. But Jesus came to do that for you and for me. It's victory. The other part of the testimony isn't just the testimony of Jesus, isn't just the testimony of what Jesus has done for you, but it's now our testimony. Our testimony. What's your story? Chuck was up here earlier and he was sharing his story with you. That's his testimony. That God reached down even through a car radio and spoke to him. Pierced right through his heart called out to him, said, come back, come back. I love you. You may have ran away, but I've been searching for you. I've been waiting for you. Not to condemn you, but to free you. Are you tired of feeling defeated? Are you tired of the weight of shame and guilt and sin upon your life? Are you tired of that? Listen, Jesus came to set you free. And how did he do it? He conquered death by the blood of the lamb. When we say that, when we say the blood of the lamb, that's what we're talking about. Jesus' blood. No longer covering our sin, but washing our sin away. You can be a new creation right here, right now, today. The question is, do you believe? Do you believe? No longer are you defeated But because of what Jesus did on the cross, Satan, 
is defeated. When we believe, we take part in this victory and we become victorious. I don't know about you, but I don't want to feel that feeling ever again of defeat, of oppression, of brokenness, of feeling like I'm just splattered all over the ground. I want victory in my life. I want victory over the things that I'm struggling with. I want victory in my family where there's family strife. I want victory where there's financial problems. I want victory, you know, where there's hurts, habits, and hangups. I want victory where there's oppression in my life. I want victory. But you have to believe. You have to believe. Will you guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I want to ask you this question. It's a simple one, but it's a big one. The question is this, do you believe? Are you tired of feeling defeated? Are you tired of feeling broken? Are you tired of being pushed around by the enemy? If you have never ever asked Jesus, to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins. If you have never, you know, said, Jesus, you are my Lord and you are my Savior. If you have never, ever done that and you want to make that declaration today, right here and right now, you can. Here's all I'm going to ask you to do. Will you just simply raise your hand as a sign of that's me today? No longer. No more am I going to be defeated. Today I want to be set free. Today I want my sins forgiven. Today, today is the day for he is risen. If that's you this morning, if you feel like you've been distant from God and you just want to make kind of like a redeclaration today, you can do that by simply saying, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus. While everyone, heads bowed and eyes closed, we just simply pray this prayer with me to yourself. You don't have to say it out loud, but just to yourself. Jesus, I believe. I believe that you came to this earth, that you died on a cross for my sins, that you conquered death for me, that you defeated death itself. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I repent of them. I, that literally means I, I turn away from them and I turn towards you. You are my life. You are my shield, my shelter, my strong tower. You, Lord God, I will run to you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray over every single heart here today that you would do a mighty work, that you would plant a seed, Lord, that you would fan the flame, that we wouldn't be pushed around anymore. Lord, even as Christians... Even those who've believed for a long time, Lord God, that today there would be kind of a renewing of their, of their hearts, Lord God, like a, a fire burning in, in their souls, Lord God, a fan that you would fan that flame, Lord, that they wouldn't allow the enemy to push them around anymore, that they wouldn't be held captive anymore, that they wouldn't be in bondage anymore, that they would break free from that. I want to ask a second question to those of you who've been Christians, to those who say, you know what, I believe, I've believed for a very long time. But you would say today, you know what? I have been feeling beat up 
by the enemy. And I'm telling him today, no longer. If that's you, raise your hand. If that's you, amen. Amen. If that's you, raise your hand. Satan, no longer. No longer. Get out of my head. I rebuke you. Get out of my family. Get out of my house. Get out of my neighborhood. Take authority. You have been given authority because of what Jesus has done. You have the authority of Jesus. You can go in his name. You can tell Satan to flee. You can tell him to get out. And he has to because of what Jesus did. He has been defeated. He has been defeated. You can open your eyes. We're going we're gonna to take communion this morning as a church family. I'm going to ask Chris if he'll come back up. And I'm going to ask my ushers if you guys would go ahead and get the communion elements. We're going to pass it around so you can stay right where you're at. And we're going to pass the communion elements around to you. But let me explain what communion is. Before Jesus, before Jesus went to the cross, he sat with his disciples. They were actually celebrating Passover. And if you guys don't understand what Passover is, Passover was the celebration of the Jews being freed from Egypt, being freed from slavery. Once being defeated, once being a defeated nation, they were being set free. And so they celebrated Passover because the the night before that they were set free, God told Moses, he said, listen, tell all of my people to take the blood of a lamb and put it on the doorpost. Paint that blood of the lamb on a doorpost. And when the, the, the final plague comes upon Egypt, which would be the death angel, it will see that doorpost. And if it sees the blood, it will pass over. You know what Jesus was saying? I am the fulfillment of that. You want death to pass over you? Only the, the blood of, that I shed for you can keep death away. He said, every time that you eat of this bread, remember my body was given to you. And every time you drink of this cup, remember that my blood was shed for you. As these are passed down, go ahead, guys. As these are passed around, I want to encourage you to make today a declaration that you will not be defeated anymore that you're not going to walk around with your head held low anymore because of what Jesus has done, because he conquered death for you, you can now have the victory. No more defeat, but victory. No more brokenness, but wholeness. No more sin, pure as snow, the Bible says our hearts are. You can be a new creation today. You can start over today. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing one more song. And just at your leisure, just you spending time alone with the Lord, go ahead and take those two elements. And remembering what Jesus did and remembering he has the victory. And the enemy has been defeated. So just sit, and when you're ready, stand with us, sing this final song, and then we're going to conclude our service.